everyone. Welcome to the In Service podcast, where we feature some of the industry's leading minds in service, field service, customer experience, and supply chain. I'm Jacqueline Cooksey here with the Service Council, and today's discussion is focused on using data to identify, enact, and reinforce change. We are live today, but uh, the live stream will be converted into a podcast, and you can find that podcast wherever you typically get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, etc. And I'd like to invite our listening audience to jump in with questions, comments, insights on the topic. You have your comment box there. Please make this um, as interactive as possible. All right. Well, without further ado, allow me to briefly introduce Juan Cruz, Jr. Juan, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Jacqueline. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So if you don't mind, please just introduce yourself, maybe a little personal, professional background for our audience. Sure. Uh, well, well, thank you, Jacqueline. Again, pleasure to be here. Uh, Juan Cruz, Jr. I'm the Director of Service Operations uh, North America for Humanetics. Um, I've been in the medical device space um, for 24 years, um, specifically in service. Uh, I have worked for several companies throughout my career. Um, all great companies, um, many companies that everyone's probably heard of. Um, and during my career in the 24 years, I've um, seen a lot of change. Uh, the one thing that really kind of remains consistent is really the importance of data that uh, I know we'll be talking about today. Awesome. And if you could maybe just introduce to Hemanetics for us and, you know, share with us what's a day in your life like as Director of Service Operations, North America? Sure. So Hemanetics, uh, we are a global leader in blood management technologies and services. Um, we provide um, innovative solutions, you know, to our healthcare providers and their patients to help them deliver the highest quality of care. Um, chances are, if you have donated either blood to the American Red Cross or plasma to a, a plasma uh, collection center, uh, you have been hooked up to one of our devices, either to collect uh, red blood cells or whole blood or, like I mentioned, uh, plasma. Um, as the Director of Service Operations for North America, I'm responsible for leading a team of uh, about 62 employees in management and individual contributors in field service, uh, project management, uh, phone support, uh, training, uh, back office who manage our service contracts and paid service, and they all support our customers uh, across the United States and, and Canada. Awesome. Sounds like you wear a lot of hats too. That's great. Um, so, so let's dig into the topic a bit. So if we could maybe start, we'll frame today's discussion into sort of those three critical areas. You know, we have the identifying and acting, reinforcing change. So let's start with, you know, an icebreaker on the use of the term data, you know, what that means to you and, and at, at Humanetics. And then the first part of today's discussion too, you know, with that identifying portion. So what are those sources of data that Humanetics looks at um, and if you could just provide an example of how data usage can enable a critical function of the service business. Sure, sure. So I think one uh, crucial thing to um, um, define is, uh, you know, data. I know that a lot of times we use the words data and information interchangeably, right? To me, information is 
you know, that big blob mass of ones and O's. Um, you, it's really unstructured. You really can't make heads or tails out of it just yet. Uh, versus data where now it's taking some form, some shape, um, and you can take some, some action uh, on it. Um, when it comes to identifying data, um, you know, that, that can come from many sources, right? Um, some of the more critical sources of data, it, it could be uh, customer survey, uh, customer feedbacks through surveys. Um, it could be from CRM um, systems or ERP systems. Uh, it could e even be from a, um, you know, maybe a specific solution that you've established for one of your teams within your service operation. So um, there are different sources and warehouses uh, of data and systems that you can get it from. Gotcha. And maybe you can sort of dig in further too about, you know, what's the process that Hemodetics goes through to actually acquire this data? You know, who's involved in that process? Um, you touched a little bit on what some of those tools are um, that you use, whether that's the CRM, you know, some, some customer surveys, things like that. But if you could just sort of talk a bit more about the acquisition there and who's involved. Sure. So before I get to, to that, just, and just one more piece, as, as we talk about uh, identifying uh, data, I know you had asked about, you know, find an example, you know, one, one of the key things that uh, we do is use customer feedback, right, surveys to identify areas where we can improve our service experience. Um, and to elaborate there, um, we, we use a third party um provider who does the surveys for us and it gets pretty interesting because i'm the type of person i get all the surveys right and I, I like to read every single survey um because i like to pick out okay what are the main pain points that the customer is experiencing right because they have a, an opportunity to provide some feedback it's not just the number you know one two three four or five or whatever the case may be and and how they're rating you. So it's very, to me, it's very critically important that, you know, as those surveys are coming in, that I read, you know, what are the pain points that the customer is experiencing when they have to interact with our source and support group? Uh, because sure, they can rate you in, in communication great or not so great, uh, but doesn't tell the whole story. So you really have to look at what, what are those comments that, um, that the customers are putting in the survey. So I just want to uh, uh, kind of elaborate, elaborate there when it comes to customer uh, feedback. Uh, the other piece is that the third party uh, service provider that uh, we use for, for customer uh, surveys, we do both customer satisfaction and that promoter score. Um, they do a, a, an awesome job of being able to consolidate the, the, the data uh, put it in a very actionable form. Uh, they create KPIs. So again, it's very useful to drive, obviously, uh, improvement in our in our service experience. So, so I just want to kind of give you an example in, in regards to customer uh, survey uh, data that that we use. Um, acquiring data, um, you know, the process of acquiring data varies. It really depends on the source. Um, you know. As I mentioned, we 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 use CRM systems, we use ERP systems, 
um, in the CRM space, um, our engineers, for example, uh, they might use um, the mobile app and that's how they collect um, all the service reports, all the interactions they had uh, with our customers on site. Um, and we use a variety of systems, again, and tools to acquire data, including uh, Salesforce, um, Oracle, uh, and then we also use uh, Tableau, uh, uh, Power BI, although we're moving away from Power BI, we, we use Tableau more often these days that takes all that data, those data streams, whether it's from Salesforce or from Oracle, offers some other standalone solution, and you put that on Tableau and you're able to really create some very descriptive um, data models that you can also put into KPI form, and even probably more importantly, in, in an actionable format. Gotcha. I can only imagine it probably feels at times that you have data coming out your ears. <laughs> but it's, uh, a lot. it's a lot. And, 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 that, and I would already mentioned that we can we can kind of talk about that, right? Because I, I think, and I think I, it's not unique to me, I'm, I'm sure. Um, and I know it's not unique to me. It's, you know, a challenge I've had uh, across the different organizations that uh, I've worked with where there is there is a lot of data um and you know you, you got to have the right tools to be able to put it in a format that um at least at a minimum in a descriptive way right we can talk about you know predictive and prescriptive but if we keep it to the base score base uh core of what we're trying to do with data right we're we're trying to get the data to describe something to us right as service leaders as, as business leaders um but a lot of times you you have to make sure am i using the right data right am i getting the right attributes on the data because there is so much of it and because the data uh, a lot of times uh, again as i'm sure i'm not the other one the only one that um ha has had these challenges but uh one of the challenges that you know data siloed right so you you know we just talked about crm system erp system and then you add other systems in there. Now you have multiple warehouses uh, of, of data. And sure, there's some connectivity, there's some integration within those systems, uh, but not everything gets passed back and forth, right? Um, right. You know, service operations, for example, they might rely specifically on Salesforce our, as our main system because of CRM. And we might be getting something coming over from, from uh, ERP system. But not everything, right? So, so that's always a challenge, right? So uh, the different silos of of, of data, uh, and just to expand a little bit more, I know kind of went on a different topic, but it's all related to data. Uh, another challenge is um, do you have the right resources in place who can analyze that data, right? Um, I think some companies or most companies have a service analytics team, right? that can put that data in a very digestible way. I think one of the challenges that uh, the leaders have is that you mentioned it earlier in the podcast is that I wear many hats, right? So when you wear a lot of hats, ch chances are you're, okay, you're, you're good at a lot of things, but you're not great at all, at all of them, right? So when you have a good service analytics team that's 
able to take all this data from all these different repositories and and uh, make sense of it and put it in front of you know service leaders and business leaders. It, it makes our lives a whole lot easier, right? Because now we can see it in a way that's very descriptive, and we can you know hopefully put some action plans uh, be, uh, behind it. So so again, a couple of the challenges, right, when it comes to data siloed and just making sure you have uh, you have the right resources and making making sure that um, makes sense and, and that's actionable. Right. Yeah, that, it got me thinking, you know, we talked a lot at the symposium this year, you know, too, about data and how do you analyze and the interoperability, you know, between systems and things like that and the ongoing challenge that that creates. Um, you know, and it got me thinking too, you know, as you move into the analysis, how great that you also have these customer surveys as well to sort of pair that qualitative side with the data analysis that you're doing. So it seems like you've got quite a surround sound approach when it comes to the analysis piece of this. So, okay, so we talked a little bit about analysis. So how much time does this take? Like you said, it's not just you, you know, and and I guess the way I'm sort of framing this, it makes it seem like there's a beginning and end, and I'm sure that it's sort of a continuous process. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure, so, you know, uh, learning from data, you know, it, it's, it's a never ending process, right? I, I, I'm sure you've heard it said that, you know, uh, data is the lifeblood of any organization, right? So it definitely is the lifeblood of a service organization. So, you know, the amount of time it takes to analyze the data, it really depends on, you know, the complexity of the analysis, right? But um, we typically learn something new from our data, you know, every day. I mean, again, just going back to the simple example of surveys, I think I get surveys um, every day, right? So I as soon as I get that that survey, I, I'm reading through it. I, I want to learn from it, um, and then also, you know, sticking to the survey piece and um, all the data we get from customer satisfaction scores or, or net promoter score. Um, we you know, we typically have with our third party service provider an in depth uh, analysis of that data, what it's telling us. What's the good? What's the bad? What's what's the ugly? Um, what are things that we can do to improve the the customer experience? Um, but it, it, it's it's in the word itself, right? Learning from the data, you know, old adage, and you know, it's a cliche. You're you're learning something new every day, so that that learning process it's never ending, right? It just depends what it is that you want to learn that day. What a uh, business issue or business challenge or business opportunity has, uh, presents itself. And you just really have to dig into that data and and uh, how can you use it to make, um, uh, you know, obviously the focus is always the customer, right? We want to make sure that ultimately um, the, the customer experience that we deliver to our customers is a positive one, uh, but it's also um, uh, for our employees, right? Uh, are we doing things well for our employees? Are we enabling them? Are we tooling them, right? And ultimately, you know, it's about delivering results uh, for the company, right? So it's a three-legged stool, right, uh, when it comes to data, because there's different stakeholders. Uh, but again, it's it's a uh, it's a process that's ongoing, and you, you just continue to learn from the from the data every single day. I'm sure. I'm sure it's really an ongoing process, and and so you've 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 
got the data, you've analyzed it. How do you then start to deploy that implementation of data to enact change? You know, whether that's strategically or tactically, you know, maybe you can provide an example of a process, um, you know, whether that's field worker productivity or, you know. Um, yeah, so, yeah, right. you know, once we've analyzed data, you know, we, we, we identify opportunities. Where, where, where are the opportunities for improvement, right? And, and we start there, we, we start to develop a, a plan to implement change. Um, you know, for example, again, just going back to um, customer satisfaction service and the data we get from there, you know, that was an opportunity to improve a couple of things. Um, you know, customers were concerned in regards to uh, call quality, right? So uh, we looked at the data, uh, we, we looked at what was going on um, and we implemented some change and we actually implemented some, you know, technology solution to, to help with that. Um, a lot of times um, when you're looking at the data, it, it could be that you're either implementing uh, a new technology, you could be implementing a new process. Um, you could also possibly be training employees in that new process. Uh, and then bigger scale, right? If it's a, a huge problem, it's a very significant problem, you're, you're probably investing in, in brand new technologies to address, um, you know, the, the challenges or the opportunities that have been identified in the data. So that kind of has me thinking too, you know, you, you have to look, I mean, uh, technology is a huge investment. You know, if you are just looking at data, I assume you don't just look once or twice, but you're looking for patterns over time, right? Before you make a big investment like that. Can you kind of speak to that a little bit? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, I you know, when it comes to, um, you know, there's a solution for your problem out there, right? And, you know, you know, I, I can't tell you how, nothing wrong with that, right? Because I, I like to feel the different solutions out there, right? But yeah, I, I get a lot of calls for different solutions that we can help with, you know, reduce your parts span. We can help with reducing, uh, increasing our first time fix rate. Um, so the, there, there's a plethora of um, solutions, you know, driven by different technologies out there. Um, to help deliver a, a, a customer experience. One, one of the solutions that um, we currently have now, and we mainly use it on our uh, phone support is, um, how can we address um, parts consumption, right? So uh, parts consumption is, is, a, is a huge cost when it comes to service operations. Um, and actually, you can pretty much ask any service leader and the top two costs for any service operations is labor and parts. It's, it, it's pretty much boils down to that. So you have travel expenses there. Uh, but if you look at your top two costs when it comes to service operations, it's labor, labor and parts. For all, for all the organizations I've worked with, those always have always been the number two, uh, one and two um, uh, challenges. So, yeah. so we have a solution there on how we can mitigate, um, you know, parts consumption uh, because of our because of, of our service model and certain product lines. You know, customers do their own troubleshooting, and if the troubleshooting requires parts, uh, those parts are covered under an agreement. So those parts are sent out. 
So we do have a, a solution in place that, you know, it takes the phone support agent through a process of troubleshooting that issue with a customer so that the right parts are sent out and instead of sending 10 different parts, maybe it's just one part that the customer needs. Obviously, it drives different benefits. One, for the customers, it's they're getting the right part, right? The, the first time and, and they're gonna be able to fix the device correctly uh, the first time. Uh, but the second piece is, right, it's um, you know, service operations, um, you know, depending what organization you're in, some, some more of a cost center, some are more of a profit center. Uh, but, but regardless, uh, you, you definitely want to you know, mitigate your, your parts consumption. So, so that's a solution that we, we currently have uh, implemented on our phone support uh, piece. And pretty soon we'll be or really in the midst of also expanding that solution to our, our service engineers on the field who, who can also benefit from, from, from this type of uh, technology. Wonderful. And I, I think you touched on this quite a bit, but you know, how has the data reinforced, um, how has it reinforced other changes, critical changes across the organization? Sure. Uh, another, another way is just uh, quality, right? Um, um, you know, we, we, we track and trend where, where are most, uh, our failures, right? For, for parts or what, what are those errors are we getting in our devices? What are the parts that, um, that are being replaced for you know x y and z um you know just recently we um beca because of data we improved the process of um sending our parts back for investigation which which is extremely important right you know service operations we're, we're in the front lines right we're in front of the customer but we're also uh huge partners with quality right so when we go out into a, a customer location uh, because of a uh, because of an issue, and we see a trend. So we want to make sure that we take these parts and we and send them back for investigation. So so that's one another area that's helped us in where we've been able to track and trend uh, failures in a very consistent manner, um, and then to be able to get those parts back on a timely manner to our quality partners so they can. Uh, initiate investigations and, and hopefully come to solution, uh, uh, you know, much quicker rather than, the, than later. Um, and that also drives process change, right? I, you know, I mentioned that, uh, yeah, solutions are great, systems are great, uh, but a lot of times just making sure that, you know, a process, an SOP is understandable, if it's not clear, it's made clear, or it's not existent, uh, that you create one. So, that's uh, that's also how how data has helped us. You know, making sure that um, from a quality perspective, we're doing everything that we can as a service organization to be able to partner up with our quality partners, uh, because ultimately we want to make sure that uh, if there are any issues that uh, you know we're tackling them, uh, you know, as quickly as possible, so that our customers are are least impacted. Gotcha. So what I'm hearing, there's kind of a trickle down effect, you know, you, it impacts one area of the organization, you know, improves processes, efficiencies, ultimately, you know, affects the end customer. Awesome. So I'm sure all of this hasn't been smooth sailing from end to end every single time. So what are some learning moments maybe that you can share uh, that when it comes to embarking on this process or any sort of like pitfalls that you needed to avoid, any gotcha moments, that type of thing? 
Yeah, so um, I, I mentioned that earlier, but I think one of the biggest um, uh, learning moments really has been the importance that the data needs to be de-siloed. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a word, so, <laughs> so I'm going to make make it up, right? Good you for know, me. I, I mentioned that uh, you know data can exist in different uh, warehouses, right? Um, you know, service operations. To, for the most part, we're going to live in a CRM type of system. Uh, if you're manufacturing um, and probably finance, you're, you're probably living more of an ERP system. And then you know, I mentioned that, you know, you might have specific um, solutions made for a specific team within your service operation. So now you have, uh, you know, two, three, maybe even four, maybe even more uh data warehouses and um you know and they're somewhat integrated but not fully integrated but you know there might be a a, a data attribute here in the erp system that's not necessarily going into a crm system but you do need it to be able to make a uh you know a service operations related uh decision so when you have uh data that's siloed and the integration is not full. Uh, now you have to take data from here, take data from there, take data from here. You got to massage it, got to put it in Tableau, you got to put it in Power BI, et cetera, um, which takes a whole lot longer now um, to analyze, right? Because you got to take it from the all these different uh, warehouses and put it into one central tool to make sense of it. So. I think just making sure that, you know, for service organizations out there who have uh, siloed data, to, you know, to work with their uh, IT partners and, you know, and other stakeholders and how can we de-silo this data so that we have a seamless stream of data across all the different um, departments and teams that need to look at that data to make a decision much quicker, right? Because when you, when you it, it doesn't, I'm sure this is easy to, um, you know, conclude is that, you know, the more siloed it is, right, the longer it's going to take you to come to to a conclusion, right, to, to right. a decision point, and to a point where you can implement some change. So, so just make so siloed data is always a challenge, right? Uh, I'm not I'm not going to say we're completely siloed, but definitely areas for opportunities um, to improve there, but. Um, you know, one, one of the challenges that certainly service operations deal on a regular basis, probably no, no matter what, uh, what company you're, you're, you're in at the moment. Right. Yeah, we definitely hear that a lot um, from different service leaders, kind of regardless of the organization or the industry. It's always an issue, um, always something to overcome there. So let's think about the future a little bit. You know, I kind of, I got to get out my... Uh, canned AI question. I feel like artificial intelligence is everywhere these days. Um, so what's the next phase of growth for Hemanetics? Is AI a part of that? You know, we talked about technology investments and, and all of that good stuff. So what are your thoughts there? Sure. So um, so AI is it's definitely in um, what we currently do use an AI-based um, tool. So that helps our phone support and uh, for troubleshooting. Um, I, I love technology, right? Um, 
you know, it's, it's one of those things that you can implement to enable and enhance your team. So definitely AI is, is part of our tool set currently. Um, and for the future, what I'm looking for is what more can we do with whether it's AI based or AR or VR or some other um, uh, tool out there that can enhance the service operations uh, in general. But I can I can tell you, uh, you know, from 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 my perspective, that it's definitely something that we 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 have currently implemented. Uh, but we're also looking to see, okay, wh what else can we do, right? Um, you know, I think it was the beginning of, this, of the year, maybe February, March timeframe, maybe a little bit earlier. I don't know. Can't recall this point, but, you know, the, the, it was the explosion of generative AI, right? Generative AI. It's know, everywhere. Chat, GPT, BARD. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you, you can look now and there's so many um ai based ai generative based tools out there it literally makes your head, your head spin right um so you really have to be very judicious right in terms of okay what do i really need right because we can't be you know again i'll speak for myself because i said i love technology i, I love tools right so I can't be a child in a toy store where I want that toy. Gift. <laughs> no, what are my business challenges, right? Whether uh, field service, uh, phone support, uh, what are my challenges? And really hone in, all right, on, on those key things that are, you know, it's a customer pain point, uh, it's an employee pain point, it's an overall business pain point and really make sure that you're selecting the right tools um, for that pain point, right? Because we, we no organization, no matter how uh, rich they are, how profitable they are, there's not an unlimited uh, budgeted money, right? To get right. everything you need, right? So, uh, but, but definitely something that we currently do have implemented from an AI perspective, but also trying to see Okay, how can we level level it up to the next level? Yeah, absolutely. I sat in on a, one of the breakout sessions at the symposium, and um, there was the discussion too about making sure you really have that business case before you implement AI. Make sure you have you know have it written down. You know, I think everyone's very excited about sort of implementing and being ahead of the curve when it comes to to artificial intelligence, but really making sure you have that refined uh, before you shoot for the stars, I suppose. Yeah, no, and that's um, key, right? Because, um, you know, when you're presenting to, you know, your boss or their boss and I need half a million for this, well, they got to ask you, well, how big is the problem, right? Because right. it has to be at, at least half a million dollars big of a problem, right? Uh, you can't say, well, it's just nice to have because everyone is do it, doing it, right? Because a lot of times we do that, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think a lot of times um, implementation of technologies, whether it's AI, AR, VR, whatever it is, I, I think it fails um, because I think our eyes just get bigger because everyone else is doing it. So we want to do it as well when yeah. maybe the problem just wasn't big enough to make that huge of, huge of an investment. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it sounds like you all have it down at Hemonetics and, and that's great. And I wanted to switch gears uh, just a little bit and talk about um, your advisory board membership. You know, we're humbled to have you on the advisory board. Um, what value is most important to you as far as your involvement with the, the service council board? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, it, you know, it, it's great, um, you know, being on that advisory board and just, um, you know, ha having a lot of leaders out there that, you know, at any point I can probably bounce off some um, uh, business challenges or opportunities, right? Because uh, we, we all have very similar challenges, but the way they're addressed might be different, right? Because, you know, businesses are different. They might be in a in the same space, but you know the products might be different. Their customers might be different. Um, so you know, even though the the issues might be similar, how you solve that issue might be different. So trying to get you know it, it's good to be in the on the board so you can you know just bounce off ideas from from other leaders um, who who are experiencing a similar heartburn, right? Um, yeah. And it's nice when they share those insights and those experiences. So, I, so that, so it's to me, I'm grateful for that. So, I'm just grateful overall to, you know, to having given the opportunity to be on the advisory board. I again, and for me, just you know, uh, personal growth, right? You know, selfishly, right? It's it's nice <laughs> from other individuals, right? I, I don't know it all. Uh, I'll never be the person that says I know it all, but I do know that. We have some very talented and very experienced individuals on the board that uh, I'm sure if I reach out, um, I, I would get um, you know some um, good input from. Yeah, and something that we hear a lot too is kind of regardless of the industry, whether you're in you know healthcare or manufacturing, you know a lot of times all of the issues are very similar or even the same. Um, so it's great to even have those different perspectives. I'm sure, uh, regardless of, of of where they come from. Yeah. Great. So I guess on an end note, you know, tell me something a little bit, you know, maybe a personal passion outside of work for you, or maybe just something you're looking forward to for the future. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 I, I, might, I might be very, um, I don't know, lame or boring, but uh, my, my passion, let's see, <laughs> football is <laughs> my biggest passion. Good to um, have this time of year. I'm, I'm with yeah. you <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's it's uh I'm a huge Michigan fan, a big Buffalo Bills fan, so I'm I'm gonna give it a go Bills and go blue uh, shout out since, since you asked. But um you know, it, yeah, I, I, uh, you know, between uh, you know work and, and and the time that that I do have to watch some football, you know, that's I guess those two things are my passion, right? Um working for a great company like like Hemonetics and being able to make make a difference, and then when I do have some downtime, just being able to enjoy a, a good game of football. <laughs> I love it. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Well, great. Well, thank you, Juan. Is there anything else you want to add to the discussion today? Otherwise, we'll uh, no. Again, just thank you for the opportunity, and uh, hopefully, um, those listening out there got a little nugget uh, in regards to data and. I was uh, able to add some value, but no, thank you. Thank you very much, Jacqueline. I appreciate you hosting this and it's been a pleasure.
Awesome. Well, thank you for being here today and sharing some of these insights or uh, insights, excuse me, super timely topic. Um, so also Juan wrote a couple of blogs for us on the Service Council website. So if you want to hear more about his expertise and his background, definitely uh, read up on those. And join us next time. We're going to welcome Negan Patel from Neuron7. And you can learn more about Service Council at servicecouncil.com. And as I said, don't forget, we turn these live interviews into podcasts. So check out the in-service podcast at servicecouncil.com slash podcast or wherever you typically consume your podcasts. All right. Thank you, everyone. I think I'm a little fro am I frozen on your end?